At their best, healthy sixes are able to elicit strong emotional responses from others. They're engaging, friendly, and playful, truly likable, dependable people. They bring a sense of trust and camaraderie to their relationships and treat everyone, including themselves, as an equal. They are strongly committed and loyal to the people in their lives, and they work hard to build stability, security, and prosperity in their homes, jobs, and communities. Healthy sixes are the foundation of any society. They believe in cooperation and shared goals, helping to organize people and tackle problems. They bring a democratic approach to their dealings with others and will fight for the powerless and disenfranchised as they would for themselves. High-functioning sixes become self-confident and self-affirming. They trust themselves and have learned self-reliance and independence because they know that they are deeply grounded in the limitless support of being. Faith in this inner support and sense of guidance leads to positive, life-affirming attitude, often manifesting itself as outstanding courage and leadership being guided by their own inner knowing with a commitment to allowing themselves to be led wherever the truth takes them. As a result, they can become powerful influences for the greater good. Welcome to The Behaviorist with Work Wisdom, where we help you adopt high-performance mindsets, behaviors, communication, and culture. I'm your host, Kedrin Crosby. Our intention for The Behaviorist podcast is to share accessible, concrete practices that you can weave into your whole life to begin a shift toward joy and meaningful achievement. We're grateful to have our exceptional friends and Enneagram Sixes with us today, Lindsay Sturkey and Chad Martin. Thank you both so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. Before we get to the interview, uh, let me tell you a little bit more about the Enneagram and Type Sixes. So the Enneagram is an ancient system that offers insights into the nine different ways in which people think, feel, and behave. These nine types are defined by a particular core belief about how the world works. This core belief drives a person's deepest motivations and fears, shaping their perspective and worldview. The Enneagram can help us not only understand ourselves better, but also those around us. So the Enneagram 6 is known as the loyalist, and this number is actually the most common number. They tend to be verbal processors. Maybe we'll find that out today. Um, they are considered the glue that holds the world together. They are question askers. They gather information from others in order to make decisions, to be informed, and to feel safe and know the right things to do. So I can't wait to dig into Enneagram 6 with both of you today. Um, Chad, I'm going to ask you uh, a question about how you came to learn about your type. I think I remember this story, but I wanna hear a little bit about how you came to learn about your type. Yeah, thanks for asking, Kedrin, and yes. thanks for having us. This is a fun conversation. So I first learned about the Enneagram, goodness, a number of years ago in a workshop setting. My wife and I were like, as partners often do, looking for some renewal and kind of like a new way to think about our relationship together. 
and had learned of the Enneagram from people we trusted and so worked with a spiritual director that we both knew and felt comfortable with who was trained in Enneagram work. And she kind of made a custom package for us where we stayed in a retreat cottage for like 48 hours and did a crash course of, I don't know, equal to like four Enneagram workshops in two days where we both learned about our types and just a whole lot about each other during that time. Um, so it was, it was an intense way to jump into it, but it's been a system and a way of thinking about myself that has become really helpful to me and has certainly been helpful to both of us in our in our uh, partner relationship. Yeah, that sounds like an incredible experience. And it was on a farm too, wasn't yeah, yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, I just, the whole thing is so idyllic. You know, I can just see it. Um, so what was it about um, the Enneagram that hit so close to home for you when you had that first experience with it, Chad? Yeah, so two things. One, uh, that's very uh, serious and important and one that's a little more lighthearted, the serious and important, like doing that with a partner was great because we were learning this kind of language and, and way of thinking about ourselves together and about each other at the same time, which I found really helpful. I think, uh, I think she did as well. The more lighthearted piece that I think hit home, like what it means to be a six. Mm -hmm. I always, I have maybe told you this story before as well, but we of course like had this crash course and all sorts of different like, a kind of variety of ways of describing what is a six, what are the different types, a few different labels. The label that will forever be seared in my mind is we got this one flyer where the six was described as an ego coward. And I'm, I'm still not sure I know exactly what an ego coward means, but it was, it was like the beginning of a humbling journey to have myself described as an ego coward. I'm feeling like triggered. <laughs> <laughs> But like, it sort I don't, of fits, I don't right? know that, right, right. I couldn't, I don't think I could give you like a good definition of what that would mean, of like what that means, but I still did feel like a visceral reaction <laughs> when you said that. So something about that, yeah. Well, and like lots of things with the Enneagram, it's like, oh, that hurts a little bit and is right. Right. So, yes. so I could say more yes. about that, but I'll leave that there for now that like the ego coward kind of hit home of like, oh, this is going to be a long journey of understanding. Yeah, they don't pull any punches with the Enneagram language. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes we'll be debriefing someone's Enneagram and there's language like your lust, your passion, your, and I keep on thinking, are we really saying this uh, to right. this person? Um, right. But it, it, it's exactly what they need to hear. Uh, Lindsay, how has learning about your type changed your perspective of yourself, um, maybe at work, maybe not even at work, and um, and maybe even changed how you interact with others too. Yeah, it's definitely done both. I think it it was a, a big perspective shift for me to kind of get that information back and to go through it with Sarah and to think, oh, that's why I react like that in certain situations, or this is why I think that. Um, I mean, it's thinking about how it's changed like things that I do at work, like other relationships that I have with family or friends. It's really crazy. I think there's one section um, in the debrief where it talks about how sixes uh, feel about relationships and how there's kind of like that push pull, like, yes, please be, be near me all the time. Like I need that validation, but also like, please go away because I need like quiet time to think. And so it's like, oh, that is, very interesting dynamic to have in relationships can also be very confusing. Like I'm sure that is hard for 
someone else on the other end to be like, please come, come over here, come give me a hug, like talk to me about something. And then like, actually like just, just step away. Yeah. (laughs) Um, especially if you are maybe like a more introverted person and you don't necessarily feel comfortable, like always communicating feelings and stuff. Like, I think that would be very confusing to kind of get it together, I guess. Um, but when I think about the way that it's changed, how I think about things at work, um, I think another interesting aspect of being an Enneagram six is just the need to constantly prepare for every possible scenario that may happen and to have a plan of action, which is one, incredibly time consuming two a little bit futile because we know that most of these things will not come to pass. Like, you know, we always think of the absolute worst thing that will happen. It's probably not going to happen, but even if it did, like, that's okay. Like we can still think about how we can move forward and it's not necessarily the end of the world. So I think it was very important for me to realize that it's okay for that anxiety to be there. Like you can sit in that feeling of uncomfortableness, but you can also move forward and that doesn't necessarily hinder you. Mm, Yeah. Just the awareness that this is, this is just part of my sixness. Right. Yeah. And that's okay. Um, Chad, when you think about being a six, is there something that you particularly love about your sixness? Well, the first thing I think of is like, well, geez, no, I think about all the things that are hard, Um, but maybe (laughs) that's true of every Enneagram type, but there are things that I think are these like superpower pieces of it. Um, One that I think has been especially meaningful to me, I think especially in work relationships, um, certainly in my personal life too, but in work relationships, that kind of six ability to be democratic in the way that you were describing in the intro of mm-hmm. like, it's really my goal to have like a collaborative decision-making style and a collaborative communication style, mm-hmm. not just because that sounds like the right way to work, but because that's what's actually like comfortable and meaningful to me. Um, and I think it's taken time in my life to recognize like, oh, that really is a particular like skill set and set of sensibilities, you know, so things like, what do you do when you have a room full of 20 people who most of the time in their day jobs might be used to like being kind of the decision maker and they need to make a decision together? Like, how do you frame that conversation that in a way that doesn't just become about like the loudest person getting the last word or the most kind of domineering presence getting the last word mm-hmm. or for that matter, the quietest person not being heard? Um, so I take a lot of pride when that goes well and works. Um, that's been meaningful to me. And I would say like very related to that, this is less about communication style. And it kind of comes intermittently or fleetingly, but for me, times when I've had the opportunity to like connect a person with the right like opportunity or group of people to kind of take the next step in their life, whether that's like a career move or just getting connected with an initiative that they didn't know about. Like for me, connecting people and ideas is really important and meaningful. Mm. Um, and I think that has something to do with my sixness. I think it does I too. Think so too. I think sixes are like really great, like hype men. Like I am always willing to like hype up a friend or like get them very excited about something or be like, you know what? You should do this because you would be great at it. Mm. Or like, I found this opportunity. I think you should go for it. Like, here's a job. Like, here's a podcast, a book, like go and do 
these things. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I very often find myself saying, like, when I'm trying to connect someone, like, you should talk to them. They're a really great person. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning, like, being a great person isn't always, like, the most important thing for, <laughs> for the other person. That's, like, not right. always the yeah. right reason. But to me, it's like, no, I'm making this connection because I believe in, like, both right. parts I, of Yes, the, that the two would be great yeah. together yeah. and not just individually. Yeah. So you're always trying to build community. You know, maybe one person at a time building. Um, What I'm hearing is this consensus building, sort of collaborative style. I I think about sex as being in the dependent stance um, and present oriented. So there are these three different stances. There's the aggressive stance where we, we just take our will out into the universe and we're just, this is what we're doing now. So um, we tend to think of eights in that way, sevens in that way. Um, The sixes are in the dependent stance, which means that you're always checking in with the other party. What Mm. do you think? What do you think of me? What do you think about what we should do next? And so that dependent stance is jet fuel for creating um, collaboration because you're listening very deeply mm-hmm. <laughs> to what does this person really want and maybe how can we put some pieces together. Now, there can be a shadow to being in the dependent stance, which is that there's all this data coming through this channel back at you. And maybe it's sometimes more than you really need, and sometimes you need to cut that cable so that um, you can stand more independently. And that might be some of the work as well. So, um, so I love that, uh, hearing about your, your collaborative consensus building, community building, um, and that may have something to do with the dependent stance aspect of the six. Lindsay, um, what are you currently struggling with or or maybe even challenged by when it comes down to your sixness if you're if you're comfortable yeah. sharing yeah i think for me it comes down to two big things so chad was kind of talking about wanting to be very democratic consensus building community building mm-hmm. i love doing that and believe in doing that very strongly but it can be hard for me sometimes to also like express what i think like sometimes it I fear that I am being too democratic and like kind of removing myself from the process and just being a facilitator rather than also an active participant. So it takes a lot for me to really like be mindful of that and to make sure that I am saying, you know, what I think, what I feel, my opinion, my perspective. Um, And I think kind of in line with that, I also am trying to move on from having a lot of self-doubt and I think that goes a lot with like the internalized anxiety that sixes can tend to present so like I am too often a person who would be willing to like listen to Chad's perspective and then say like you know what I think that's a great idea like we should just do that because you know like maybe Chad knows best about this thing and maybe he does But also, you know, there's a perspective that I have to share that could just be as helpful or as good. And so I'm trying to be more mindful of making sure that I am sharing what I'm thinking and not necessarily to like influence or sway anyone else's opinion, but just letting people know that there are other options out there. 
And I think part of that is like coming from being a six. I think other parts of it, I'm sure, are probably being from being, you know, a woman, a younger woman, like in leadership positions where the people that I'm working with, primarily men, primarily older than I am. So it was easier for me to defer to them when I think we all know by now that like, you know, maybe the older, more established group does not have all of the answers and that my perspective and values are just as important to share. Amen. They absolutely are. Yeah. I've worked with many sixes. Sometimes the growing edge for sixes is around that assertiveness, Mm -hmm. is finding their voice and that courage um, so that they can um, be truly truly collaborative and not just accommodating right to others yeah Yeah. the motivating emotion of the Enneagram six is fear and so sometimes the work to do Mm -hmm. is around courage um the the wants and needs of the six is around stability and so seeking that out does I I'm seeing your head nod does that resonate with you yeah I think I am a person I I wouldn't say that I fear a lot of things. Well, no, that's not true. That's completely not true. I am afraid (laughs) of a lot of things at a lot of times. Um, But for me, it's really fear of the unknown. So like, I don't like not knowing things. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of fuels me to like seek out as much knowledge about whatever as I can. But then that also like very much goes align with the Enneagram 6 of like preparing for every possible outcome to whatever I am afraid of or whatever it is mm-hmm. that I want to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you done any work with wings? I have. Yeah. Yeah. So I am like definitely a wing of wing five. Yeah. Sounds um, like it. Yeah. When I had first like heard about all of the Enneagram things like several years ago, I had self-diagnosed myself as a five. Like mm-hmm. I had not taken the test, but had read about the mm-hmm. descriptions. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm totally a five. Like absolutely. Yes. 100%. And then took the test with Sarah earlier in this year and got the results back. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> This cannot be right. But then read through the description and realized like, oh, yes, I am 100% a six. This is me. Yeah. Everything about this is me. Yeah. Thank you. Do you want to talk about wings too, John? Sure. And, and about fear. Cause uh, okay, that's, yeah. Because that's all we think about. Yeah. So, so I'll yeah. say a little bit about that too from my perspective. I'm also a five wing. Um, and it actually, as we're sitting here, makes me think I would love to meet more sixes with who have like strong seven wings. Yeah. I'm just curious what that looks like because that's very not much, very much not my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say for me, like the fear thing is very real, like mm-hmm. how to deal with your own like doubts and fears is a huge thing. I mean, we've done tons of work around courage and mm-hmm. things like just, yeah, that assertiveness and courage feels really important. Certainly feels like a growing edge for me as well. But I will say another piece of it that has been really important to me very recently, but I think also intermittently when I am in a good space for me, you know, I is uh, how to get outside of my own kind of like mental wheels that spin all the time. Yeah. Like how this plays out for me is there's just this constant like mental churning of like, Yes. Uh, way overthinking possible scenarios <laughs> mm-hmm. and like needing to think through how I would respond to all of them, which is just a lot of like kind of wasted mental noise. space and noise. noise. Um, someone recently fed that back to me as like, 
everyone has a voice in their head kind of like feeding, you know, kind of feeding back like, well, what would happen if this happens? And how would you, what would mm-hmm. you say if this happens? Chad, you have like a committee in your head of voices like <laughs> speaking loud. back to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there, there are like a lot of naysayers on your committee, um, which was like a really visual reminder of like, oh yeah, I don't mm-hmm. need to listen to like 10 different voices in my head. Um, and for me, the thing that is really important about that is like doing tactile things, um, Kedrin, you and I have talked about this some recently of like, yeah. for me, it's really about, so I was trained as a visual artist. When I'm in that space, like I'm much less in my head and that's really like much healthier for me. When I'm building things with my hands, when I'm moving, when I'm hiking, when I like things like that for me are really important. They don't like solve all the things that the voices are chattering about. Mm-hmm. It's just the best way for me to like stop listening to mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. That's a really great point. I've no, you know, I, I do that too. Like walking, I try to walk our dog Mm -hmm. a couple of times a day. And that's like my time where I can think about whatever I want to think about and just lay it all out there in my brain and then move on. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That present orientation, maybe, maybe the walking, maybe the, any kind of hand craft, um, helps you be in that present orientation in, in the present when we are right in the, this moment, we don't have anxiety because we're not worrying about the future or ruminating about the past. So mm-hmm. maybe that helps to mitigate some of the anxiety as well. Do, do you all um, think about the arrows on the, you know, where the six goes um, in health yeah. or in stress? Mm-hmm. Where, do, where do you two feel like you go? Do you go to nine, the peacemaker? I think, yes, under stress, I do go to nine. Okay. Yeah. Okay, more into that withdrawn Mm -hmm. stance. Okay. Yeah. Holding up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that may be something helpful to, like, say for the listeners that three, six, and nine Mm -hmm. in the system are all kind of related to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, where you go in different kind of moments of strength or weakness kind Mm -hmm. of are, those are certainly the points for me. I... I think I resonate with the kind of kind of typical a strong six functions like a healthy nine mm-hmm. and a, a six under stress mm-hmm. functions like a like a I don't know like a challenged three yeah um, which is like being busy for the sake of being busy or trying to prove your worth mm-hmm. by staying busy mm-hmm. um, I I can go to that a lot when I'm not doing well mm-hmm. um, and. Which is tricky because that's like the flip side of that, like keeping your hands busy is like noticing when I'm doing that just to like escape from what I really need to deal with versus actually attending. Right. Avoiding. Yeah. (laughs) Fight or flight. Or having to prove yourself. Yeah. 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 But I think the like healthy nine stuff goes back to what we were talking about earlier where like that collaborative, like figuring out what's best for the whole um, can be really like the best stuff. And that that looks kind of like a healthier nine. Mm, so good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Chad, what advice do you have for other sexes that might be listening? Hmm. Two things I was thinking about with this. I mean, one is that practice that for me has been really meaningful recently of like, keep your hands busy or mm-hmm. at least like mm-hmm. find practices that get you out of your head space. Mm-hmm. I think the other piece we haven't talked about a lot that's really important with that is, at least in my experience, sixes 
can be challenged with being in touch with their feelings. Mm-hmm. So anything that like gets you, any practices that help attune like not just what's going on in your head, but like mm-hmm. how is that in alignment with what's in your heart, in your hands, mm-hmm. in your body? Like mm-hmm. how are you noticing what's going on in your body mm-hmm. in terms of how you kind of are responding to things is a good way to kind of get back in touch with feelings. Um, the other one I would say, this is more like functional, if you need to use a lot of words to sort out a lot of stuff that is kind of like inward focused, like find find the people to do that and maybe don't just lean on like one person to do that. But mm. who are like, do you need to pay a therapist because you need someone to just like listen to all your yeah. crap for yeah. a while. Yeah. 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 That could be a heavy lift <laughs> for one person to just kind of unload. Yeah. Yeah. Lindsay, um, how might further understanding the Enneagram improve the work that you do? I think that for me, it would be really helpful to study more of, you know, the directions that I move towards just kind of what we were talking about a few minutes ago in times of stress or when things are going really well. Like I would like to learn more about nines and how certain situations may make me feel as though that's the kind of direction that I'm moving in. Or if I am in that situation where I am feeling like very withdrawn, like very kind of standoffish, maybe I'll say to, to sit in that a little bit and maybe think of, you know, what triggered me to feel this way? How can I kind of take certain feelings or opinions out of that and like really think of like what the situation is at hand and how I can move forward, like trying not to internalize everything and thinking that like it's always about me mm-hmm. <laughs> or about me or at least about me personally mm-hmm. and to kind of move forward like in a healthy direction. Yeah, that's, I think would be that's fantastic. Helpful. This this may be Enneagram blasphemy. I don't know. But at Work <laughs> Wisdom, um, we have found that a lot of our clients are successful at moving to both of their arrows in health. So I know that in the literature and for the past 2,500 years, they've (laughs) talked about you have one arrow where you go in stress and one arrow where you go in health. But we've had a lot of success with people going to both of those numbers in health Mm -hmm. and borrowing behaviors. So for example, um, the six can go to the three in health, which is that aggressive stance going out into the world, this is what we're doing now. Yeah, and that can done. really mm-hmm. um, be where you find your courage. You can even say words like leap and a net appears and, and it feels str- strong. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that would be something to think about and yeah. uh, play with even. Yeah, I think so. And I think a lot of that goes back to when you're reading about the qualities that sixes have and how, you know, our biggest want and desire is to create that stability and it's really important to figure out how exactly you can do that so like in situations you can act as a three because you feel safe you feel secure so you feel comfortable being more assertive being you know the the voice like your internal voice you feel better about speaking that Mm -hmm. out loud Mm -hmm. 
Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah, that's super helpful, Kedron. I have not thought about it that way, but I often resonate with the healthiest stuff of a three um, because I think there's also like how you get out of your head as you mm-hmm. get things done, mm-hmm. which is like the kind of quintessential three behaviors of like, I'm just going to do stuff because that's how we like move forward is we're just going to do stuff. Yeah, yeah. get um, her done. For me, yeah. that is really helpful when I'm in stuck places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm an Enneagram one. And so I actually um, channel the uh, the seven quite often. So when I'm starting to go to four, which is where I go in stress, um, sometimes I go to seven and start thinking about what would Joey Mc, uh, McMonagle do, <laughs> you know, Joey, you know, but I also think about the healthy behaviors of a four and say, okay, I'm actually going to four and I'm going to do it in a really healthy way. So I'm going to do some sort of creativity. I'm going to write a short story. I'm going to, who knows what, mm. um, so let's not tell anyone that we do that. We'll keep it our little secret <laughs> at Work Wisdom. I'm glad no one's listening. Um, okay. Well, thank you both so much, Lindsay and Chad, for, um, for, for being here today, for being vulnerable, for sharing about your sickness, um, and maybe even giving some of our listeners ideas about how they can be better versions of themselves. Thank you, listeners, for downloading The Behaviorist. We hope you'll subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review. If interested in learning more about the Enneagram, please check out our catalog on our website at workwisdomllc.com. In addition to our website, you can also find us on Instagram and LinkedIn, where you can enjoy Work Wisdom Press and productions, ask questions, listen to past episodes, and make suggestions of topics you'd like us to explore in future episodes. As is our custom, we will leave you uh, with some wisdom from Anthony DeMello. Calamities can bring growth and enlightenment, said the master, and he explained it as thus. Each day, a bird would shelter in the withered branches of a tree that stood in the middle of a vast, deserted plain. One day, a whirlwind uprooted the tree, forcing a poor bird to fly a hundred miles in search of shelter, till it finally came to a forest of fruit-laden trees. And he concluded, if the withered tree had survived, Nothing would have induced the bird to give up its security and fly. Mm-hmm.